Welcome to Sparkle and Substack with me, Claire Venus. I'm an engagement consultant and mentor, and I started my journey with Substack in April 2022. My Sparkle and Substack publication was born out of my own journey of being a creative who also writes. I'm so excited to bring you tips, tools, and the voices of brilliant online creatives who are as passionate as me about you staying creative on the platform. Hello everyone, welcome back to Sparkle on Substack with me, Claire Venus. I am so excited to talk about launches and launching on Substack and paywalled content and membership and that whole bit of the picture. So I was writing some notes about this last week because it's been a big piece of integration. I think launching a brand new Substack about Substack (laughs) on Substack was a trip and a half, obviously because I've got a whole lot of people that know what I'm about. I've got a whole lot of people that don't. I've got people that know Substack. I've got people that don't know Substack. I've got people that are leaning into the curiosity of why on earth I've started Sparkle and Substack. So what I wanted to do from the off was just turn on my membership. And I did class it as a membership from the off. So it wasn't about paywalling content, although that did happen as part of the membership. It was about holding people in a membership and holding a membership adjacent to what I was going to offer to the rest of my free subscribers on Substack and push over to the notes um, social media feed. So there was a whole load of different things that I had to hold going on at once. I feel like The reason I wanted to record this with you is because Substack has moved really, really quickly since I launched Sparkle and Substack, where there were, you know, one, two, three, maybe four of us in the Substack education space. There are now lots more people in that space. And obviously that was always going to happen. And it became increasingly apparent that I had to really hone in on what I was doing um doesn't really matter if anybody else is crossing over with my work that's fine I just needed to know really really clearly what I was doing and because my practice is rooted in co-creation it was really hard to know that before I'd co-created some stuff so I had to just trust that my community was going to come was going to gather that I would know what to co-curate with them and that I would know what was going to inform those posts and videos and bits of audio and live calls that was going to come after that. So I wanted to go all in to try and give people as much opportunity to work with me and see what I was about as possible. And all in for me meant that I had the chat function open five days a week when I first launched. I had my two calls. Originally, there were going to be a blend of co-working and workshops. As I co-created that space I realized that actually people do need both but because there are beginners coming in at the same time as people who have been on Substack a little while and are looking to really like drill down into what their Substack can be and grow their Substacks it needed to appease and balance both things so I'm trying my best to kind of keep up with that and I think it's working pretty well I surveyed my members earlier well, last month in January, and I got some great feedback. I got some helpful feedback as well. Um, But really, it was about holding as much space as possible for these people. I also learned from having Creatively Conscious that audio is really, really helpful for people, that people can find that a really accessible way to get to know you and to know whether they chime with what you're saying. So I was really keen to do audio. I was really keen to play around with video at that point, Video existed for me because I had the beta testing 
version of Substack, but then they did a huge big push to roll it all out. And people were worried that it had become a different platform, was going to come a different platform. And obviously the whole time I knew video was always there and it was always an option. And I had my kind of, you know, thoughts about it. So I have been able to respond in real time by running this membership on Substack in a way where I have a loose schedule for the calls for a whole six months mapped out, but I also have flexibility in that schedule so that I can shift and change things. So one of the first things that I did, um, and there's a few things to talk through with you here. So one of the first things that I did was this bring a friend for free offer. The idea being that not only would it double the intake in those early weeks, I think I ran it for about a month, it would also give a person who was keen to learn more about Substack, learn more about Joyful Growth, have some accountability time with people, um, a friend to WhatsApp with, to chat with, to meet for coffee, to go and work on a Substack article together. And it worked relatively well. What I would say was it probably needed like more than just a standalone post and for the process to be easier. The way I had to manage the process was quite clunky. And in the end, I had to do some of it manually, which is fine. You know, you live and learn. And I really wanted that intention of we're all friends and colleagues together. But if you have someone that you've come to Substacks with or you've met on Substack, why don't you share this membership? You can share it, you can buy each other a coffee, you can work it all out on your terms. So that felt like a really beautiful thing to do. It also felt really important as I started the live calls that I went back to the very beginning of my Substack journey and how much work I'd done in my business separate to Substack about what is my why? Like, why am I here? What am I doing here? So over on Creatively Conscious, it was just a space for wild experimentation of my writing practice. And then six months later, I moved my mailing list into there and I only ever sent them one email a month. So the idea of integrating those two spaces was, yeah, okay, you get my monthly email notes from the sea and I'll tell you about what I've been up to and I'll give you some ways to work with me. And then there's this other place where I will experiment with what Substack could be for me as a writer, what it could be for me as a creative. I want to do some guest posts as part of that. I saw it as a beautiful magazine called Creatively Conscious, really. That's how I saw it. That was the vision. And so when I was holding that space for that, I could also talk about how that was feeling with my members on Sparkle because it was like I was experimenting in real time with another publication. Very quickly, I brought in Company of Two after that. Um, and that was, again, another space to say, this is what we're doing. It's a niche publication. It's slow grow. It's in partnership with a colleague, Laura Oldfield. And this is what we're doing. And this is how it all is. So I was modeling two creative ways to approach Substack. And I was also, you know, learning about my own process with the platform, bringing lessons I'd learned from the real world, from being online in other places, from other online educators, from Substack teachers. You know, everything was just one big melting pot of experimentation and really transparent exper experimentation. I wanted to hold people in figuring out what your why is while also holding space for experimentation and not locking yourself into it. So that was really like the first class. And then we talked about cadence. You know, we're trying to throw away the heavy rule book of social media and say, how often do you want to show up? What do you want that to be like? So after sort of four or five videos with my community, I was able to see that that was a really useful bank, an online course, if you like, of going from 
just starting a Substack to being able to be really clear in what you were doing on Substack and what you were publishing. So that felt like a really helpful thing. Um, I was also able to offer more behind the paywall for paid members. For example, I offered them my four-week drip-fed course. I offered them my masterclass that I delivered. I said, look, you know, I delivered it in March 2023. Things have changed since then. I've learned more. The platform's changed, but it will be useful to you. You can have it for free. You can have the course for free. I think what I've learned with online courses is, especially about the work that I do, my process and practice changes so much, as does the platforms that I'm using. So I'm really happy for people to have them, but with the proviso that the live calls are really like where we're going to get into the here and now, like the congruent Substack as it exists, as we see it now. Even the post that I did on Substack about Substack Notes, which only launched um, less than a year ago is now out of date because of the way people have been shifting and changing using notes and because they changed the technical side of it slightly. So the idea was that new members into the Substack community could get the beautiful welcome email. They could have some visual um, design if they wanted to. So I designed up a template on Canva of page breaks. So I'd been giving this to my one-to-one clients anyway, because they were curious about the one that I had. So I just made that many 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 more designs and lots more color and that was all really fun um and then yeah then I was able to give them that in the welcome email and point them to another couple of tutorials point them to a really popular article that I'd written over on creatively conscious um and they felt like they had enough information to then tip over into the membership and know where they were starting What I started to notice was that there were other Substack writers doing these kind of flash sales, really sort of small windows of time, 24 hours, you know, 48 hours. And I was curious about that. And I was curious about the end of the year coming up, whether I would do a January sale, whether I would do a Black Friday sale or a Colour Friday, as we like to call it, Indie Friday in the cultural sector. And I was really leading up to that end of the year point to kind of go, okay, well, if I do offer a sale or some sort of discount, then that'll be the next point to do that. So I let the Bring a Friend for Free um, offer expire and I worked within the community to really understand how I was serving the community, how I was helping them. We had a brilliant time on the calls. I loved it. I offered them additional things, additional previews to podcasts, um, a training on Pinterest with Sophie Ingleby. There were other things that they could access, which felt really beautiful and really timely for them. And then I started experimenting with direct emails. I wanted to experiment with direct emails anyway, because I wanted to tell my community about those experiments. So I did it across both publications and I sent the emails directly to the highly engaged subscribers. So you can find your highly engaged subscribers by using a filter around the number of stars of engagement that that person has, and it'll pull all that through for you. And then you can send them an email. It doesn't publish to your Substack website. So my language was very, it was a very short email. My language was very like casual, you know, I'm just checking in. How are you today? How are you finding Substack? Um, I've got these offers. I'm not sure whether you know about them. I've got a discount for you. And the discount was always pretty small, you know, like I think I did like a 10% and a 20% and that always converted people. So that direct ask, not being hidden in a paywall, you know, not being hidden in an essay, It was really direct. It was black and white. Here's an offer. Do you want to take it up? There we go. And I didn't make those offers time sensitive in that real flash sale way. 
I gave people time to think about it. And then over Christmas time, I gave them a reminder. I also at the same time experimented with seven day free trials. I turned them off creatively conscious. And I was really just into this experimental phase of like, if I leave it on on Sparkle for three months, what is the conversion going to look like? So this was part of the launch plan to give it time, to give it me time to understand how that free free trial impacts Substack like you to use it. So, hey, who am I to argue? We'll give it a go. So I gave that a go. And, you know, the, the percentage of people that did decide to stay was relatively high. And the vulnerability of letting people just into the Sparkle community and knowing that that would all be okay lessened. It was all fine. It was all okay. Um. Within the sales, so the sort of end of year sales, the Black Friday sales, the Christmas time, you know, if you've got enough time, you can have a seven day trial, you can have a 10% off, however I worded it. And with all that going out, I did learn quite a lot. um, And I did keep my momentum going. So usually I would have a digital detox around Christmas. And I felt really called to do these value pieces around um, what I wanted to articulate about Substack at that close of the year. And that served me really well. There was a lot of people online over Christmas. There was that whole kind of tipping point of, you know, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, is anyone going to pipe up? You know, a couple of brave people did. And then by the 27th, it was like, oh, we're all online. Come on, guys. We know we are. Come on, we're online. So that served me really well. Those posts did really well and people were converting. People were curious. People had time. People were looking for things to do. So that worked really, really well for me. Um I had this kind of inkling that I was heading towards the 100 subscribers sort of September time. It didn't feel out of the realms of possibility. And I want you to know that when I first started Sparkle, I had no idea how this was going to go. I had no idea if people were going to trust in me and my work. I didn't know if people would have enough time, you know, to commit, if people would feel overwhelmed by what I was offering. Like it was a real vision of this is what I want to offer and put out in the world and I think it's going to work but I had no clue so when I was heading towards that 100 paid subscribers mark and I was so keen on getting the bestseller um, check mark for social proof I spoke with some other friends who were on that kind of train towards being you know bestsellers and really curious about the Substack space and we made coupons for each other's work so there wasn't a ton of us that did it but there was a few of us and that energy felt so lovely to have lovely supportive people come into my space on a coupon for like 30 days um it just felt it just felt a beautiful thing to do a beautiful gift and i was just yeah i was just super excited about that new energy being in there and that felt like a real boost and it really kept me going so whereas 3 months sounds a long time to be in a launch window it didn't really feel like that it just felt like there were just new waves and momentum coming all the time and i was just having a really really great time I had the boost feature switched on. So that's another thing to tell you about. Another thing to mention that it works for me. I'm really happy. I trust Substack. I'm happy for them to send emails out. If somebody is highly engaged in reading your publication and has time to do that, I don't think it's really going to turn them off if Substack and not you sends them an email. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't bother me um, at all. I really don't mind. I have it on both of my publications. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say to you was that I, as I was heading towards this sort of January cut off, I 
I'd said to myself, I'm going to give myself until the end of January to decide on what the price increase is going to be for Sparkle. I knew I was going to put the price up. It was either going to go up or down. When I first launched, I wanted to keep it in line with what Substack had recommended because I felt that um, the space was worth it. And I, and I know it's harder to increase. Like, you know, it would look like it was almost doubling what some people were charging for their paid communities. But I was like, I know I can deliver it. I'm going to keep it at that. So I think it was £8.80 a year. But for £80 a year, by the time we got to January, people were getting 10 videos with over 15 hours of information, a four-week course, a masterclass, and everything else that I could have given them, which if you could have put a price value on that, and people were paying monthly, so they could just grab all that for £8. I mean, it was just insane. I was like, I've got that. In terms of the value piece and honouring other creatives and artists in the world, I knew I had to put the prices up. And I knew that within the Substack model, I had to be careful about what I did with that. So I didn't want to put all my cards on the table about what I was thinking and what I was doing because quite honestly I didn't know until the last minute how much those prices were going to go up what I wanted to do is offer people the opportunity to lock in at the current prices and so I sent three emails about that and there were quite a few unsubscribes so those people I would guess were there for the free content and weren't interested in being sold to and this was a heavy sale right this was a heavy like I am putting them up so you know don't walk on by like this is it now they're going up if you want them like this is what to do and so it was it was it was good to see in a way because I don't want people that are there for the wrong reasons I don't want people to not chime with my work like my whole stay creative on Substack message joyful sustainable growth like that's what I'm going to be about for my entire life I mean, I don't know if I'll be on Substack my entire life, but you see, you see what I mean? It's like, I'm not going to falter from that. That is inherently in my values and what I want to do. So there were quite a few people came over. Like, I think there was about, maybe about 35 new members that joined with that sale. So that push to, do you want to lock in these prices? That really worked more than any other sale. And I think the longer that you follow people online, the more you realize what they're, sales language is and so for some people they might do a flash sale every few months and you might start to see that as a free subscriber and be like oh well I'll just get it next time you know or they might have something like around a holiday or a special time of year or a birthday sale or something like that there are so many different ways to do it for me, I didn't really want to do that. Like, I want to keep it towards the end of the year. So I'm not saying I'll never, ever do a sale. Like, I might just, you know, spontaneously decide to do a birthday sale for my birthday in August. But I also might not. So I wanted to just go, okay, like, this is the price now. This is what we're doing. And so that worked really, really well. And I'm about to hit 250 members on Sparkle on Substack, which had been a goal since I hit 100 paid subscribers in one way because the next check mark is a thousand paid subscribers well over a thousand so a thousand and one a thousand and two that just feels so far away but when you do the maths and you see what's possible it also seems really possible so within this launch container you know July through to well where are we now mid-February that's quite a long time but the launch for me was always up to that kind of 
increasing the price and knowing exactly what the value was that I was offering, having enough resource behind the paywall to say, look, like learn everything that you want to learn and you, you can do that gladly. Like I really want to hold space for you to do that in the way that you want to, but come into the community and enjoy the process, enjoy writing, enjoy organizing, enjoy playing around, enjoy learning what type of writer and what type of creative you want to be on Substack and how that impacts your work in the wider world. Because I think that's the important thing not to lose sight of. So although this is about launching and my experience with launching, this was the best launch that I've ever, ever done in my business because I gave myself time to experiment within the launch com container because you can do that with a subscription model. You know, if you've got a course closing, you can't really do that. You know, you've got an end date, haven't you? But subscriptions are a rolling program. So for me, my advice to you, if you're thinking about going paid, is to really give yourself time um, to experiment with a multiple, multiple different ways of encouraging subscribers to become paid, to give them enough notice that you're going to be turning paid on would be really helpful as well. And to give yourself time as the curator of all that to better understand what's landing with people. Putting a paywall in a post is just a wall. It is just that, you know, it's a wall to your offering. It'll turn people off. You've got to be looking at how you're talking to them in those emails that are free. Um, and then within that, <clears throat> where you then direct them to a resource that might be paid or something else that might be paid. Because if you are thinking that every time you send a paid subscriber email that people are going to hop on over... It's certainly not my experience that it works that way. For other people, it does. For me, that's not been how I've done it at all. I've been like, here's a post. You can read it all. There's no frustrating paywall. And then there's this over here. That's not to say that I don't send paid posts to everybody. I do, but I have no expectation of people popping over to become paid subscribers in those posts. They're for paid members. And if there's an urgency in terms of like, we've got a call tomorrow, here's an amazing post about all of the stuff that I think about this particular topic and we've got a call on it tomorrow, that might pop people over for sure. But I think we need to really hold our subscribers <clears throat> as separate and what we deliver for them as creatives on Substack as separate to our membership spaces. The membership spaces, we should be able to be in conversation with our members relatively regularly. We should understand the temperature of that space and understand what people want from us and what people need. And the frenzy that you can see on Substack is not something that I encourage on my in my space. So that exists on Substack. You can go and find that and that's all fine. But my aim is to answer people's questions enough so they don't feel like there's got to be this like huge frenzy of questions so that there's a place for them to find the answers if they need it. That's my aim. I really love my community to work with each other as well. So I've instigated a couple of different spaces where that's been possible for them. And that goes really, really well. Whilst at the same time remembering that Substack is only ever someone's part-time side hustle you know and even if they've got long-term aims to build a really successful newsletter subscription or a publication subscription or a membership using Substack that's going to take time so holding people in that space is my absolute favorite work to do in the world I absolutely adore it I'm so so pleased that you're all here to listen to my experiments to hear how things have gone I hope that this episode has been useful I wanted to keep it super fast paced and um, 
I'm on a deadline anyway. I usually am with the school run, the kids coming back. But I also feel like intuitively it's been like a really interesting space for me to just go, there's a three-month container. Let's see what happens within that. Let's see what happens within that three-month container and what I feel compelled to do. Let's see what happens if I try this and I experiment with that. It's such a beautiful playground for experimentation. And if you're doing the same thing and you're not getting the results that you'd like, permission to change. You can just change it. Just change it up. So to recap, lots of different things. Direct email, bring a friend for free, coupons, um, the welcome sequence, the welcome email and how everybody finds being in the membership and looking after them once they're in there, the seven day trials um, and then the push to the increase in prices, which was the thing that got the most people over. And I think that timing wise, you will suss out in your own publication when is the right time to do a sale, how often, and then if you wanted to put a price increase up, you know, if you wanted to increase monthly sale, you want to increase both, you'll know what to do. I'm going to do a whole separate um, um, episode on founding members founding memberships and how I manage that whole bit of the picture which is going brilliantly I'm having a great time with that as well Um, but I'll leave that there for today and again thanks so much for watching thanks so much for listening it's been a brilliant ride and I can't wait for more of what 2024 has got to bring Thanks so, so much for listening to Sparkle on Substack. There's a whole community over on Substack to connect and chat with. If you'd like to leave me a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts, I'd absolutely love that. See you next time. And remember, great oaks grow from tiny acorn seeds. Sending sparkles to you for your day ahead.